Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 non-stop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. From baseball's top personalities. The great Chris Russo joins us once again. To the game's top players. Joining us is the all-star. Matt Chapman with us. You never know what stories you're going to hear. If you make your way down here, I, I might be able to make some time and go out there and see the great Chris Townsend. This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Welcome to another edition of A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. And you are going to hear, this is a great lineup, we got the pitching coach of your Oakland Athletics, Scott Emerson. We've got from the USA Today, MLB columnist Bob Nightingale, A's scout and also TV personality for A's pre- and post-game live on NBC California, the great Shooty Babbitt. And then Kerry Crowley, who covers the Giants for the San Jose Mercury News, was down at the press conference in Arizona when the Snakes announced Madison Bumgarner. It was odd. We'll talk to Kerry about it. But first up, he is one of the best pitching coaches in all of the game. Scott Emerson, I'll keep saying it, the minute he doesn't want to coach anymore, he's got a job in the radio booth. He, 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 I'm telling you right now, somebody will hire him, if not us, as he's always wanted to do radio. We love Emo. Here is Scott Emerson. Emo, it's been a while. Happy holidays. How, how's life treating you? Man, life is just great, you know. Uh, I, I can't complain at all. Yeah, we're getting ready for the holidays. Is uh, your house like my house? There's just boxes coming from everywhere? Well, you know, I, I've uh, found a couple new best friends. You know, I got... I got a couple FedEx drivers, UPS driver, uh, the the mailman, and I'm asking my wife, "Hey, are, are we got DHL coming?" But I, I got a great story for you. Uh, and this was about 13, 14 years ago. Um, I had this uh, FedEx driver would you know deliver my you know my my mail uh, from the A's every once in a while, and then he asked me if I worked for the A's, and I said, "Yeah." And uh, he said, well, I had a brother play in the NFL. I said, was your brother's name Lawrence Taylor? And he said, oh, my God, how did you know? And I said, you look just like him. <laughs> I mean, this guy a, was a dead ringer for his brother. Lawrence Taylor, his brother, you've known him for 13 years and delivers you the mail. Delivers me the mail. Well, he's the FedEx driver, and, and uh, he's, he's around our house often, I will say. That is absolutely classic, the great Lawrence Taylor. So, we just we live we, we live out in the middle of nowhere in North Carolina, and the mall is called the Internet. So, the Internet boxes are coming to my house on non uh, nonstop. So that's well, how my wife does her shopping. She'll she'll. Uh, so buy something online, have it delivered to the house. If she doesn't like it, she sends it back. Because I mean, our closest mall is probably 60, 70 miles. Emo, you're like millennials. Yeah, well, well yeah, you got to grow up fast with technology, right? <laughs> so why would you decide to move off the grid? Well, it's actually where I met my wife. I met my wife off the grid at uh, Trot Nixon and I played together. And uh, my wife and his wife grew up best friends. I was in his wedding uh, out in the middle of nowhere. And um, 
that's where we ended up. Uh, you know, I told my wife when we got married, I said, you know, for you allowing me to be away for eight months out of the year, I, I can sacrifice where we live. And it's a great place. You know, it's a small knit community. Everybody knows each other, which can be good or bad. But um, you have a good golf game going on with all the old retired guys. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to, you know, uh, get into be the president in about 20 years of this golf league. And I've told the guys, hey, no more tea times before 10 o'clock. I mean, I thought retirement was to, to, to lounge around and these guys go to bed at eight and get up at four thirty. And I'm like, Hey man, we got to start going to bed at 10 and getting up around nine. So we got to play later golf round. Yeah. I'm with you on that. I actually, so yesterday my daughter had an orthodontist appointment. So I knew yesterday was like my last chance to play golf for the rest of the year because we're about to get a ton of rain here in the Bay area. So I went out and I'm like driving to the golf course. It's 40 degrees we're teeing off at 8.30, and I'm like, is this a smart idea? Am I really going to enjoy playing in 40-degree weather at 8.30 in the morning? Well, I kind of had a story the other day. I was on the uh, eighth or ninth hole, and I got a phone call from the game and fish department, and they told me that if I was going to continue to play golf this way, I'd need to get a hunter's license. <laughs> So that, that's where my golf game's at right now. Hey, I, I, I can tell you, yesterday, some a couple times I hit it, I felt like I was hitting a wood bat. Oh man, that's a, that is you know it takes sport to to a whole nother level. I mean, you look at the pitchers in the major leagues, and what makes them good is repetition, getting out there and throwing the baseball, and, and hitting their target, and practicing you know, on the mound, throwing strikes, practicing, hitting their target when they're playing catch. And it's like, you know, you wonder why these golfers are so good. It's because they go out and they hit a thousand golf balls a day, you know, and the average guy like me, I I go out, I don't even go to the driving range anymore. I figure out I'm going to take these 85 to 95 shots and put them on the, on the course. But, and so it becomes relative of why are major league pitchers really good? And that's because they're constantly working at their craft. And why are these PGA Tour professional golfers really good? It's because they're constantly hitting shots and they practice. And uh, the importance of practicing and taking your, your practice time seriously uh, is what, you know, I love about our pitchers. And, uh, you know, I wish I could do it a little bit more on the golf course, but I'm not not that dedicated enough to the golf game to where I want to practice that much. Yeah, as long as I get that Bloody Mary before the first tee and get that swing oil going, I'm all right. Uh, So we were just in San Diego for the winter meetings, and everybody we talked to, not one person was in favor of the new three-batter minimum rule. So I'm figuring you're probably going to be the same way. How do you feel about this new rule? Probably the biggest rule in baseball and the biggest change in baseball since the designated hitter in 1973. Yeah, I mean, I, I was looking at it, uh, and uh, you, could, you probably have the numbers, but I think it affected only 4% of the outings last year. Uh, and that's not a very high number for me to want to make a change. Uh, I mean, you'd have to have guys going out there facing one, two hitters all the time for me to make this change. But, you know, we should not change the strategy of the game. Uh, That's what makes the game of baseball great. I mean, if we're going to start changing all these rules, you might want to start calling it town ball or something different. I mean, let's keep the integrity of the game. We, We talk a lot about the record books. And this is altering how the records can be played because the left-handed hitter may not be seeing that left-handed specialist as much because we're forced to leave the right-handed hitter in. So I think, uh, you know, I, I brought up the point about seven innings and everybody, you know, about had it with me about altering rule books, not getting enough at bat or not rule books, but record books, altering at bats. You wouldn't get as many at bats, but this is in, in essence also altering the, the record books of, you know, the left-handed hitter may not see as many left-handed pitchers over the course of the season. But it's going to happen. So at what point do you, Bob Melvin, everybody in the organization, when do you really start talking strategy about this or that will be something that happens once you get down to spring training? Uh, I mean, it'll happen in spring training. But, you, you know, you're always constantly looking at matchups and, and, you know, with a 26-man roster, 
you, you also have to remember if you counter with a pitcher, they can counter with a pinch hitter. Um, so um, it might be, you know, more beneficial for you to leave a guy in the game. I think that, you know, to the average fan, they don't always see that. And that's what makes Bob Melvin, in my opinion, so great is that, um, you know, he's, well, if we bring in uh, this lefty, they're going to pinch hit the righty. What's the matchup? What's better? And he's already ahead of that going into the game. What matchup is better? But you add an extra position player to the mix and and, um, you add this three batter minimum. The strategy, there's still going to be a strategy. It's just going to be a different form of strategy. That is correct. And that's one thing, like I have an article here with Joe Madden that says, you know, strategy is sacred. Well, there's still going to be strategy. It's just it's changing the game because the reality is the game is being played longer than ever before. And I understand how managers and coaches, you don't want to change how you play. But sometimes you you, you got to save the game, and the NFL makes changes all the time. The NBA makes – other sports make changes, and we'll see because, let's face it, if it doesn't affect the – out, if it doesn't affect the time of the game, you can always go back, right? Well, I, I think if you, if, you, if you were talking about pace of play and timing of the game and we're comparing – you know, recent years to, to, to uh, previous years and how fast the game was played before, you, you have to look at um, the strike zone. I mean, uh, you know, and, and in our, our organization, you know, Moneyball, we altered the way the game has been played uh, with, with, the, with the movie and, and the, the book Moneyball about selectivity. It, these hitters are becoming so much better hitters uh, because of all these facilities going up around the country, uh, they're constantly hitting. They're going to these places. There's pitching machines that are built. There are uh, virtual reality uh, things that guys can wear to recognize pitches, whether on the plate or off the plate. And I, I remember uh, some of our hitters would, would come down from going upstairs and looking at pitches saying, this ball was uh, just barely off the plate. I can't believe he called it a strike. And, you know, 30 years ago, you better protect, you know, three inches on both sides off the plate. So the game, the pace, the umpires, the pace made the guys swing the bat, made the guys put more balls in play. And that's what we're missing because when you're able, in my opinion, to be more selective and force pitchers to throw it over to 17 inches of the plate, the power numbers should skyrocket because, you now are looking for a pitch over the plate that the umpires know that they're not supposed to call ball off the plate. Now, does it happen? Yes. But does it happen uh, with uh, uh, more consistently? Not as much as it used to happen. So you want to speed up pace of play. Uh, you got to get guys swinging the bat. I mean, they're just so good at not swinging the bat and forcing you to put the ball over the plate, which is not an easy thing to do. People think, you know, throwing a baseball uh, 60 feet, six inches over a 17 inch plate, that's maybe three foot up and down for the zone. That's not an easy task. And uh, it's just, you know, guys have got to swing the bat for me to, and I know I'm saying this as a pitching coach, but we got to get the guys to swing to get the action happening. And the only way you're going to get it to happen is is make them swing more you know he who swings is most dangerous i always heard that but now it's uh these guys are swinging because they're so dang selective and and they're really good major league hitters that uh you know they they know the strike zone that makes me think and i really have never heard this because we've heard so many different ways of how to speed up the game because, you know, we're having too many of these games that are three and a half hours, three hours and 45 minutes. And when you're starting your games at 7.07 like the A's do, and you're talking about these games are going to almost 11 o'clock, kids got to go to school the next day, why not make the plate wider? I've never, I haven't heard yeah, that. Been, but that would be interesting, I've wouldn't been, it? I've been saying that too. And I also said, you know, stick to the rules that the catchers have to stay in the catcher's box. You know, if the catcher stays in the catcher's box, then, and, and again, this is a pitching coach talking to you about this, then the pitchers are going to have to be closer to the plate because now these catchers get outside this catcher's box and and they can make these, the, the ball just move 
so much that appears in the zone, out of the zone, that, um, you know, it's tough on hitters. If, uh, you know, this automated strike zone, hitters should not want this thing. Uh, as much as they want to maybe have this automated strike zone, I, I, I'm in a, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, now the high curveball is going to come into play way more. The low curveball is going to play. Uh, you might see guys throwing from different angles just because they can catch the plate, throwing a little bit more sidearm. Um, but, you know, I, I'm kind of a new old school. I love the technology, but I love how the game uh, was played 20 years ago. You know, you're losing one of your guys in the bullpen as Blake Trinan is signed with the Los Angeles Dodgers. And it's so head-scratching that a guy has one of the greatest years that we've ever seen a reliever have. And then the next year have a 4.91 ERA. You've had now some time to think about it. What do you think the, the, the major difference was from one year to the next with Blake Trinan? Well, you know, uh, first of all, I, I love Blake Trinan. I think he's got a lot left uh, in his in his baseball career. Um, you know, strikes and confidence go a long way with people. You know, most of these guys, they don't lose their stuff. You know, they lose their confidence. And, um, you know, I know the baseball, watching it move, having his spin rate go down a little bit, and, and maybe his movement grades have gone down. That plays a part into somebody's psyche. And I'm not just talking Blake training here. I'm talking a lot of guys around the league that uh, have up and down seasons. Uh, injuries play a part in this. We, we know uh, Blake was on the DL for maybe the first time in a long time in his career. And generally the first thing, in my opinion, that goes is command uh, before the injury really happens because the pitchers may be afraid to put their arms in a position or their bodies in a position to, to be that aggressive. You know, I, I don't know the extent uh, to, you know, Blake's feelings on that, um, whether, you know, he was laboring a little bit. But um, I think command was his it was probably one of the issues uh, for him. And, and, and what comes with that command is some confidence. But, you know, I think the world of him, uh, I wish him nothing but the best in L.A., um, and, uh, you know, Blake's got a lot of left in his, uh, in his, uh, career. Did you feel justified? I know I did when the MLB report came out and went, yeah, the baseball was different. Yeah. The seams were lower. They finally admitted things were different. How did you feel when you read that? Well, you know, uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I also thought it said the balls were not juiced. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's you know, so it's, it's the drag. They're they're talking about drag. Yeah, I kind of got I kind of got like confused. All right, so if the ball was a little bit different, and the balls are going over the fence more, there's an alteration to the baseball. Obviously, maybe you don't want to use the word juice, but you know, fifty eight percent increase in home runs in AAA. Uh, you know, I, I think there was something going on with the ball, but Hey, like I said before, though, that's the ball we're using. I mean, if everybody's playing the same exact ball, then we got to deal with it. I mean, it's just, you know, if they want run production to go up, which in return, uh, is going to take for a longer game, uh, then that's the way it's going to be. But, um, you know, it, it's, for me, the biggest thing on the baseball uh, is how, how I feel, and a lot of pitchers will tell you this, is how slippery it is. And whether that's because of the seams are lower or what mud they put on the ball, I just feel like I know when I came up to, uh, in 15 as the, the, the bullpen coach and I threw more batting practice then than I do now, um, you know, in the minor leagues, you, you play around with the big league ball every now and then, but it took me a while to get used to that ball, throwing that ball. And, and it's, it's kind of, you know, you, you might say, come on, that, that's ridiculous. But it really did. I just felt like this is way different than the minor league ball. I just felt like I, I lost it out of my hand every now and then. So, like I said, we, we, we play with the ball we're given – it's not golf where we get to pick and choose our golf ball, but, 
you know, I'd like to see Major League Baseball go to a, a, a ball that has maybe a little bit higher seam so pitchers can can feel like they're they're holding on to the ball. And they've also talked about and they've experimented with, I don't know at what level, but a ball where the leather's a little tackier, which I think everybody, especially hitters, because I think about hitters, and I remember, I think it was last year, or was it last year? Or it was two years ago, when the Yes Network showed that a pitcher was using pine tar. And then after the game, they asked Aaron Boone about it, and he wanted no part of the question because everybody is using some type of substance to get grip, and hitters are all for it because they don't want these guys on the mound, Emo, throwing 98 miles an hour and not knowing where the ball's going. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree. You know, the, the, uh, I've, I've never heard any uh, of our guys say they're, they're using something to, to um, make the ball do any different, anything different, any spin. Uh, and I'll be, I'll be a hundred percent honest with you. I don't, I don't, I, I don't talk about the sticky stuff because it's illegal. And, and that's just a fact. And, and maybe it's, maybe I'm, I'm behind the eight ball on this. And, um, but I'm not talking to our players about, uh, putting sticky on, on a baseball. Have I and Phil Pohl, um, experimented with it using our rap soda? Yes. Have we picked up some spin rate using that? Yes. But I can tell you to this day that, um, you know, I, 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 we, we don't talk about it in, in the big leagues in Oakland about using the sticky, whoever uses it, that's on them. That's not on me, but um, but would you want to I, see I a different baseball where it is a, a tackier? Because they've experimented with it, where it's a tackier leather for the players. Well, I, I want them to be able to, you know, feel like they can hold on to the ball. And and I know uh, a few years ago, um, Arizona Fall League, I believe in '16, used a tackier ball on occasion games. Uh, I know, I think it's Japan or Korea uses a, a ball that's got some tack on it. Um, and I'm all for that. You know, I, I feel like if, if, you know, what they should do is they should ask the major league pitchers. You know, I, I just don't, don't understand or, or, or I haven't even heard if they're asking pitchers about the ball and the tack on it. Um, when I actually coached in winter ball in Mexico, they put lemon juice on the ball to have a little tack, and whether it works or not, uh, I'm, I'm sure you can gain some some spin on it. But you're right with the hitters. I mean, you know, they want the pitchers to know where the ball is going. So, but it, it's not an endorsed thing for us, um, you know. And I do see a lot of pitchers around the league, uh, in my opinion probably using something and I, and it's for to be able to hold on to the ball. I don't think it's with any malicious intent. I think it's uh, uh, for them to hold on to the ball. Emo next time we talk, we'll be in the new year. So Merry Christmas to you and your family. Happy new year. And next time we talk, let's get into a little technology and pitching in major league baseball. Hey, whatever you want. County. it's all it's all for you emo getting ready he's he's got to be ready pitchers and catchers are going to report before you know it and then the first game broadcast we're going to have is february 22nd bob nightingale a's fans get ready bob nightingale from usa today had some really nice things to say about the green and gold going into 2020 bob nightingale here on a's cast live bob how are you yeah, doing great, Chris. How about yourself? Uh, just wonderful. The winter meetings were great. We had a, It was good seeing you, and it was a, a lot of fun being in San Diego, and we've had a, a lot happen since. And right now, the big rumors are, are, are about our old third baseman, Josh Donaldson. What are you hearing about J.D.? I think he – I, I want to say he ends up in Washington. I don't discount uh, Atlanta Braves. He liked Atlanta. Atlanta loved him. I just think the Nationals – they already had the money saved up. They didn't get Ramsey Rondon, so I think they can top any any bid. So, are 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 you hearing four years around a hundred million for him, even at the age of thirty four? Yeah, he'll get four years for sure. 
I think the Nationals are already at four years. I think a couple teams are at four years. The Twins are in there as well. Uh, I don't know if they'll get over 100. Some people think they'll get to 110. I'm not sure about that, but that's what the conjecture is. Wow. The, the money being thrown around this offseason after the last two offseasons has Bob's been crazy. Yeah, it's almost like, you know, a few executives predicted this. That, you know what, before the CBA uh, expires and everything else in two years, throw that money out there, see what happens. And there are some weak freezing classes coming up. So I think all those factors at once, you know, it's like, okay, so teams have their money within it. So you've been talking about Mookie Betts and possibly the Red Sox moving him before he becomes a free agent, and maybe David Price has to be part of the deal. What, what do you think is going to happen with the Red Sox right fielder? Well, they keep telling everybody they need to, you know, get their payroll down from 244 to under 208. So, you know, Betts makes the most sense because he's a free agent in a year. They've tried a few times to sign him. I mean, you know, obviously he hasn't agreed to a deal. So I think a, uh, he makes the most sense. We'll see about David Price. But the trouble with Price is just that, you know, he's been injured. And our, team, our team's going to take that gamble. Like, okay, he never had the uh, elbow surgery, just like you know, Chris Hill never did either. You know, you know what, what are you actually getting in David Price? Yeah, and it's a lot of money, and I think about the one team that really has massaged their luxury tax and got none of the tax is Andrew Friedman and the Los Angeles Dodgers, and it seems like they've been outbid on everybody. Where do you see the Dodgers making moves coming up here as we head into 2020? I think they make a big splash. I mean, they're just, you know, it's the Dodgers that got so much money. They've been blowing the luxury tax now for two years in a row. Uh, seven straight division titles, but not that World Series. So a little bit like the Braves back in the day. Uh, I think they make a big splash. And they got all these prospects and everything else. So I think they end up with Lindor or Betts. Well, and I and I think about I, we we saw the Giants do this in the past, is where they bring a guy over before he's going to be a free agent, and the Dodgers could do the same thing with Betts. Or Lindor, you bring them over, have them fall in love with Dodger Blue, and then hopefully you sign them before they ever really become a free agent. No, absolutely, Chris. I mean, a guy like Lindor, I think he'd love L.A. L.A. would love him. He's got that you know magnetic personality, uh, charming guy. I think it's a perfect fit. Betts is more laid back. I mean, he can fit in anywhere. But you know, you would think they, you know they'd have a great chance for Betts too, just because all the other money involved. So I think whoever they trade for, they got to think in their mind, you know, no big deal. Uh, we'll convince them to stay. You know, it's been so nice, Bob, about this offseason and the Oakland Athletics is they really don't have to do much. You know, they're going to see what they're going to do at second base, maybe add some more arms in the bullpen. But it's really been a very calm offseason because – Really, the A's in a lot of ways are loaded. It's just, it's been nice not having to, it's been nice worrying about what all the other teams are doing, knowing that the A's are in really good shape for 2020. Oh, absolutely. You know, the, uh, the A's are probably watching to see what happens to Houston Astros. You know, how big are these uh, penalties, penalties going to be? Uh, I like the A's a lot. Uh, you know, barring something, something happening here in the next three months, I think I'm going to pick the A's to win the division. Uh, I haven't done that too often, you know, over the years. I, I used to think the A's are that good. You know how happy you just made my fan base, Bob? <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's a talented team. You know, I was in, uh, you know, that whole Mike Fires when he got lit up by, uh, you know, by Houston that, that game. And I mean, he kind of thought that they were on his pitches. I was at that four game series, you know, A's beat them up, uh, three of those four games. They were very, very impressive. Now they got these young guys, come, you know, coming on. And I you know, remember talking to, uh, you know, Bob Melvin's office one night. And he says, "As good as we are now, just wait these next couple of years." And I'm with him. I just, I just think, you know, this is this is our time. You know, and I think about the Houston Astros. And when we were down there in San Diego, the commissioner said the most extensive investigation in the history of baseball. And I'm thinking. More than the Pete Rose? I, you're serious about this, but what do you what are you hearing? What do you think's going to happen in Houston? Yeah, no, I'm with you. When I thought about Chris, 
I mean, I thought about uh, Pete Rose, and I thought about the uh, biogenesis and everything else. There's no way they spent more money than biogenesis. You know, that was, that was a ton of hours and everything else. But I think the uh, I think this is very severe. You know, at first I thought, okay, you know, big fine, maybe the biggest ever. Uh, you know, lost our first round draft picks. You know, made those first few years. But now, you know, talking to people, I think there will be suspensions. You know, some people say, okay, a lifetime suspension for the GM Jeff Luno, and a two-year suspension for uh, you know the manager AJ Hinch. I, I think that's severe. I don't see that, but but I do think there'll be suspensions. Yeah, something's going to go down, and it will be fascinating to watch. And you got to think somehow, some way, it could affect Houston also on the field, especially if you're suspending the manager. Let's end on this. If, if Santa could bring Bob Nightingale one thing for Christmas baseball-wise that you would want to see in 2020, what would it be? <laughs> you know, something different, uh, you know, as far as World Series-wise and everything else. Uh, it, it, it's been a pretty cool decade, you know, think about it. When we saw the uh, you know, Cubs win their first one, Nationals win their first one, uh, Royals win the first time since 85. So, yeah, why, why, you know, why not have the A's or, you know, someone that haven't won for, won for a while, uh, A's, Cleveland Indians, something like that, you know, to keep this thing going. Because, you know, it just, uh, the cities just go crazy. And, uh, you know, Chicago's never been the same. KC is still living off that. And the party still goes on in Washington, in Washington right now. Yeah, that would be a, a parade in Oakland would be the best. Have a great Christmas, Bob. We always appreciate it, and we'll talk to you in 2020. All right, look forward to it. Happy holidays, Chris. Thank you. Bob Nightingale, super guy. Always love having him on. Shooty Babbitt, the best-dressed man in Bay Area television. This guy's suit game is strong, but he's one of the top scouts, and we're going to talk a little bit about fantasy camp. Here's the great Shooty Babbitt. Shooty Babbitt, how are you, my friend? Chris Townsend, what's up, soul brothers? We're just uh, reminiscing about the decade, and 2012 was such a magical year for the A's. We had no idea when we boarded the plane to Japan that this team was going to be any good because by the time you got to the postseason, the the faces and the names and the players had basically all changed. I mean, the guys that were in Japan were nowhere near that team in the playoffs, but what a – you remember that year. What a, just a magical year that was for the green and gold. Well, you know as well as I do, Tony, and that's what makes baseball so great because at the beginning of the year, people have so many different expectations. Sometimes they don't have that many because they look at the personnel and it doesn't match what, what's on the paper. But after 162 games, after making a few moves, after a couple of injuries, a couple of guys having great years, we look at the run that the A's went on that year to win the amount of games that they were able to win um, in a row. I mean, you just never know. And I think that's what helps grow the affection with fans because they get an opportunity to be a part of something special. I know it can be a little discouraging at times when their favorite player outgrows his contract and economically he just doesn't fit in. And people tend to have a little sour taste in their mouth. But if you watch the way that the A's have been doing business over years, man, they just continue to plug those holes and just keep it moving, man. And you're right. This has been a tremendous decade of baseball, and I'm just happy for the A's fans to be to be able to experience it. Yeah, five times in the playoffs in this decade, and – I can tell you, Shooty, we were down at the winter meetings, and it didn't matter which columnist, it didn't matter which expert, which guy on MLB Network, and we just had Bob Nightingale from the USA Today on today talking about the A's. There's a true belief that the window was wide open for a championship for the Oakland Athletics, not for when the new ballpark opens up, where they are right now. Well, there's always some type of hangover from a sequel. Typically, the World Series champion have that champagne hangover. They can't seem to duplicate that year because of everything that is that happens during the offseason, how much of their time is called for, their inability to prepare in the same way. And then you have the beautiful, the wonderful Houston Astros. They have the things come out about them that happened over the offseason that people were accusing them of, and now there may be some proof. Now they've got to deal with that. So that is definitely going to be an uh, – something that's going to be a distraction that's going to keep them from being the good team that they have showed that they can be. 
and you know who was in second place in that division this year, and you know who's going to be even better than they were last year because when you see the help of that young pitching staff come together and those young players that had great years are going to start even playing better because they know themselves even better, this team has a chance to be really, really good. You know, it's pretty shocking in our game, Shooty, that we have not had a back-to-back winner of the World Series since the Yankees did it in 2000. That's a long time. Why do you think there is so much parity in the game? Well, I, that was the whole goal. I mean, you figured out there's only a couple of teams that can go out and outspend everybody. Everybody else has to be creative. They have to work hard in player development. They have to put work hard in scouting. But it is a, play, a, a, a level playing field, and I think teams are doing a lot better job of scouting and signing players and not spending money in places where it's going to cost them in the long run. But, man, oh, man, you've got to love it because every team in spring training, you're down there every year, County, you see how much affection, how much love, and the, the, the intimate relationship that the fans get a chance to be around their teams. I don't care if it's the Kansas City Royals or the New York Yankees. Every team feel like they have a chance to win, and I think that's a great part of it. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Kansas City. They, if it wasn't for Madison Bumgarner, maybe they win back-to-back as they, they reach the World Series twice. So it's, you know, we look how tough the A's are. Look how tough the Rays are. The whole small market thing, you can win being a small market team. Yeah, and but the thing about it, you have to be ready to make a move when that time comes. You know, a lot of people unloaded on Billy in the year where he made some moves when he got John Lester and he got some margin, those guys, and gave us some prospects because he understands when that little window of opportunity is there, you've got to be ready and you've got to take a chance. But when you're not being realistic, when you're making bad moves, when you know your team is really not in position to do that, that's when you really pay the price. So um, you got to love it. Because you know when you're only one or two moves away and you put yourself in that position, you get an opportunity, man, oh, man, that's what makes the year so much fun. And right now, I mean, someone that, that scouts the major league level, there's some interesting names out there. When you start talking about Mookie Betts, you talk about Chris Bryant, you talk about Nolan Arenado, there are some interesting guys that could be on the move still this winter. I mean, you're talking about great talents. Boy, and you're talking about a great amount of money, man. You know, Mookie Best deserves every bit of that $200-something million that he's going to have on his plate next year because of the numbers that he's put up and the player that he is. Chris Bryant is still a young kid that can impact any team that he possibly could get traded to. And let's not even talk about Arenado. We get a chance to see Matt Chapman on an everyday basis. That's why we have a legitimate argument about no one being better than that dude on the hot corner, but there are a lot of scouts that I talk to that will debate me about how good Arenado is. So um, that's going to be interesting because Colorado is a team that don't have a whole lot, and Arenado could bring a busload of prospects. So that's one that's going to be interesting to keep an eye on this. You know, one name, and when it was brought up, I went, I like it. And we know one thing. When Jed Lowry is an Oakland A, he stays healthy, and he is a, a extra base hit machine. He can play second base. He only got into nine games last year. If the Mets were to eat a lot of his money, how good would that fit be again for Oakland and Jed? Well, if we're going to get to Jed that left here, man, I mean, that's a no-brainer. One thing we have to remember that he couldn't get on the field last year, Tony. And he had those issues in prior here with the A's, but he got those problems fixed. Something going on with his ear that kept him from sleeping, things that he didn't know about. And, man, he was a different player when he got back. But, man, you know the professional that he was, 50-double dude, a dude that can just absolutely rake. And the one thing that we're lacking right now is a tremendous left-handed bat in our lineup, and he would fit really well if we're going to get that type of production. Yeah, if we could get Jed from a couple of years ago – that, like, fixes so many different things because I think that's one of the things at the front office and what you guys are probably talking about, you're a little bit worried that you might be a little too right-handed in the lineup. Yeah, that could. But, you know, with those new rule changes that they have where guys can only – they have to complete an inning, they have to pitch to at least three batters and all that kind of stuff, you know, that left-right situation stuff may not play out like it used to because – Teams just cannot afford to have specialists. So it's going to be interesting, no doubt. But we definitely need a left-handed bat for sure. How, how do you feel about that rule? I don't like it. 
and the reason why I don't like it because I'm a old-fashioned purist, and I don't think anything is wrong with this game. It's been going on for a hundred years, and it's a game that I fell in love with. And I think when you start changing things, look, I'm all for technology and all the new things that's going on. If it's going to help save lives, it's going to create better lives for people. But we're talking about a game, a game that people invented that men and boys and women and girls have come to love and play together and love together. And now you're making it so complicated. I have some people, sometimes some fans ask me some questions about what some of the metrics means. And I'm embarrassed that I can't even tell them, man. And here I am, a 42-year expert. So uh, I don't like it. I just think it's opening up Pandora's box for a lot of other things to go wrong. But we've got some smart people making decisions. Hopefully, you know, they'll make the right one and, and get this thing right. Yeah, it, it, it's almost, and we saw it with the Astros this year, they didn't even have a left-hander. It's kind of the death of the left-handed specialist. Oh, yeah. No more situational lefty, number two lefty. That guy doesn't exist anymore because he has no value. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I You know, I want to wait and see. I mean, because it, it, it may be something that it, it's, it's a different type of strategy. We may love it. We may not. The good thing is at least baseball is trying some stuff. And, shooty, if it doesn't work, you can always go back. Yeah, this is true. I just think that people are complaining about the wrong things when they start talking about the time of the game. If you're a baseball fan, you're watching a game, how many times you look up and said, oh, I can't believe it's the seventh inning already. It's because you're in the game and you're watching what's happening inside the game. And when things start taking place outside the game that are affecting the things inside the game, that's when we're going to start having issues. So these teams that are spending a lot of money, you know, people talk about, oh, there's been Boris's – He's negotiated over a billion dollars. But you know the thing about a free agent shooty, which I think a lot of fr- that a lot of front offices like, is the fact that you're just giving a guy money. You don't have to give up your prospects. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff. You get to keep your prospects, and you're just giving the guy money. Well, I mean, if it's not your money, I guess that's the only way you can look at it. <laughs> but all it's gonna, <laughs> you know, it's easy to spend somebody else's money. But when it is the prospects, what it ends up doing is hurting the team in the long run. And you don't mind spending the money if you're getting a guy that's going to impact this team in more ways than one. When you're talking about a franchise-type player, a guy that's good in the community, a guy that's good in the clubhouse, a guy that has a respect from his peers, uh, you don't too much pay attention to the amount of money. I mean, I think it's – ridiculous amount of money that athletes are getting paid today but when you are the best at what you do i don't care what it is you're going to get paid top dollar and they deserve every dime so there's one guy left from the josh donaldson trade and that's franklin barreto if i could get franklin on on the line and say shooty i want you to give him advice going into this spring training what advice would you give the young second baseman find a way to shorten up and fight a little more with two strikes. Find a way to put that ball in play. Find a way to make a little more consistent contact because that's the only thing that they can say that's not correct about the young man. He possesses so much skill set and so many tools. He can impact the game in so many ways, but the biggest knack on this guy is that he doesn't walk and he strikes out too much. I'm not one of these guys that talk all this walk stuff But I do not like guys that strike out because as long as I've been living, the only thing that's good in striking out is bowling. And we're talking about a ball that's a lot smaller than that one. No doubt. You still think he has the potential to be a star? Absolutely. Well, this is his spring training. I mean, this is – Franklin, this is – you know, if he has the same spring training that he had last year, I think he's opening day second baseman. Would you agree to that? Well – I mean, you got some guys that are going to have something to say about that. And I, and I think it's great. I think they would love for him to go and take the job. Uh, what people have to understand, it's not that easy to come and perform at that league right there. I mean, you could put up all the numbers you want in the Coast League, brother, but I'm going to tell you something. Ain't no league bigger than the one that he's trying to take a job on. And let me tell you something. If he come in there and takes it, that would be the best thing for everybody that's associated with the green and gold. So we're all if if Santa Claus could bring Shooty Babbitt one thing in baseball for 2020, what would that be? What would you want to see? Man, just continue love and peace and health, man. Uh, I, I look at things on a bigger scope, man. I You know, baseball 
it's sewn into me so deep, man, that you could not get all the thread out of me, man. But I just want to see a good baseball season. I want to see the game continue to grow. I want to see more youngsters start getting involved and start loving the game even more. And let's see more fathers at the games enlighten their children on the game a little more. That's what I'd like to see more than anything. And before you get out of here, fa- fantasy camp is incredible. And you're a part of it every single year. Tell, tell, the, tell the fans, Oakland A's fans, how much fun you guys have down in Arizona. Um, it's going to be even more incredible this year because the Oakland A's have wholeheartedly taken over the fantasy camp. Uh, rest in peace, my brother Dave Henderson, whose name was on the fantasy camp. They did a tremendous job for years with his partners in Dave Henderson baseball. But we were kind of connected with the Seattle Mariners a little bit because the economy kind of did some damage and people couldn't afford to come to fantasy camp. But thank God people have gotten their lives together. They've gotten a little more disposable income and they're able to live their fantasies. Well, this year, man, we're going to make it so good. We've got some new names. We've got Jason Giambu. we got Vida Day, Stuart Dallas Braden, Bobby Crosby, and the list goes on. We're going to be over at Talking Stick and Scottsdale, man. We're going to have so much fun. Ladies, if you want to give your husband the biggest fantasy that he's ever had and wanted in his life, treat him to the fantasy camp. You'll have him forever. This will be the best week of his entire life. It's an opportunity to be a kid. He gets a question to ask questions of guys that he's idolized and spent times of his life, years of his life, watching and enjoying. It's a great time. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's January 8th to January 14th, and it's, and it's going to be great. And I just want to commend the young people from the Oakland A's organization that has taken the bull by the horn. And Matt Langston and his crew have done a tremendous job. And, man, we're going to try to do everything we can to make this thing bigger and better than it's ever been. Shooty, you are the best. Merry Christmas to you and your family. Happy holidays, and we'll talk to you in 2020. Be safe. Tony, I just want to thank you, man, for keeping me involved with the Green and Gold this year. This was a transition year for me, and you know that. And then you were instrumental in making sure that my face and my voice continue to be heard and seen, and it means a whole lot to me because this is my community. I love it. I wouldn't do anything to jeopardize it. Any of the fans out there that I've been, anything that wasn't, you know, delightful to your mind, you know, chalk it up to my heart, not my brain, because I love baseball and I love what I do. I just hope we're going to be down there at Fantasy Camp to enjoy all the fun that you guys can have. And our last guest covers the Giants for the San Jose Mercury News, and he was down in the Valley of the Sun in Arizona when the Diamondbacks announced Madison Bumgarner, and you got to see Madison Bumgarner in a D-backs cap and jersey for the first time. It was odd. I didn't get to hear the press conference, but I got to see snippets of it, and it just looked odd. Was it odd? Let's hear from Kerry Crowley. Kerry, how are we doing today? Excellent. How are you? Well, it was great to see in San Diego, and uh, a lot has changed since the winter meetings. It certainly has. Madison Bumgarner has a new home. How about that? Well, I got to tell you, I didn't get to watch it. You went down there to cover it. I didn't get to hear it, but just looking at it, it looked awkward. What was it like to be down in the Valley of the Sun and to see that cap and that uniform on the big left-hander? I mean, it was fascinating. It, it was fascinating. It was in many ways shocking to see Bumpgarner wearing different colors. It's just something that's going to take a few years to get accustomed to. And believe me, Giants fans will get accustomed to it real quick because they play the D-backs in two of their first four series next year. But what made it really intriguing to me was how excited Madison Bumgarner was. I mean, we haven't seen that excitement from him in a long time. Yeah, and we know if there's anybody in this game who's got a chip on their shoulder and plays with it, uh, I've always respected it. The guy is a gamer. He's one of the great postseason pitchers of all time. I just got a feeling refocused. Maybe they'll figure out some things with him on his stuff. I just, I got the feeling, and you tell me leaving Arizona, uh, you get the feeling this could be a big year for Madison Bumgarner. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And because he's extremely motivated, he's now two years removed from his most recent injury. The velocity came back in 2019. The spin rate with his fastball went up which suggests that analytics were helping him unlock something that triggered a slight improvement with his fastball. And now you put him in a situation where all the games are going to be competitive because 
the Giants really have not been competitive for the last three seasons. Sure, they were in July and the first week of August, but that's four or five starts. And I think everyone was realistic that they weren't going to make a wild card run. So for Bumgarner to be in a situation where he knows the D-backs have what it takes to be in that wild card chase through August through September and to be motivated and pitching in a playoff race once again, I think it's going to do wonders for him. Yeah, we got a chance to speak with Tori Lovello, the manager of the D-backs, down at the winter meetings, and he was excited, and this was before Madison Baumgartner. They do have something down there. Like, they they traded Grinky, but they kept winning. And if there's, like, any team right now that you see in the West that could just potentially give the Dodgers some type of run, you'd have to put your money on Arizona, right? I'd say so. I mean, I don't think the Padres are quite there just yet. Maybe they're one, two, three more moves away. But Arizona's got guys who fill up a nice core that scare other teams. You know, Cattell Marte, Ed Escobar, Nick Ahmed, all these guys are just really solid and, in Bumgarner's words, gritty players who don't give anything away. They're not a fun team to play against because they're going to go all out and play the game as hard as they can every single time out. And that's something that we haven't seen from the Padres. We haven't seen from the Rockies. We haven't seen from the Giants in recent seasons. But the D-backs really do have that competitive nature over 162-game seasons that can make a difference. And when you're throwing Madison Bumgarner out there for 200 innings a season every five days, it's going to make a difference. It's, it's going to be a situation where he can become an X-factor again. Yeah, what, what, what did he say about the, about the Giants and leaving San Francisco? <laughs> so uh, I, I not only asked Madison Bumgarner during the press conference with all the cameras on about the Giants, but I also asked him uh, in a one-on-one after the interview, a side session, you know, what do you think about the direction of the team? If the Giants matched the offer from Arizona, would you have considered coming back? And all he wanted to say on the record was, look, today I have to be excited about being an Arizona Diamondbacks pitcher, but come spring training, I will give you an update on the Giants situation, and uh, believe me, uh, I will have a lot to say. And so I found that very interesting. Uh, I don't think that anything the Giants have done within the last three to six months has uh, made the team fall out of favor in his mind. I think that the reason that Arizona was his top destination uh, entering the offseason, entering his free agency, is all that happened in 2016, 2017, 2018 leading up to the opportunity for him to become a free agent because the Giants did have opportunities to lock him up long-term and they did not take advantage of it. Do you think, and I don't know if you guys talked about this, do you think Arizona was the very best offer years and money-wise or was it one of the best deals and he wants to so bad stick it to the Giants? Uh, I think it was one of the best and I think that years-wise it probably was the best. I don't know that there was another team willing to go to a fifth year I think that he probably could have made more money, uh, maybe four years at $80 million or four years at $90 million, get a higher average annual value, definitely not have to take the deferred money like he's going to have to do to play for Arizona, and uh, definitely not the $6 million salary that he's going to make in 2020, which is really interesting to me. But I think that the opportunity to stay in the National League West is a division he's comfortable in, to face the Dodgers five to six times a season, and you know, to give it back to the Giants five or six times a season. I think that he's really going to enjoy that opportunity. And sure, you look at Chase Field, it may not be the best situation for a pitcher like him, but he does have 20 career starts in Arizona, and his ERA is 3.13, which is right in line with his career ERA. So you're looking at a place where he has pitched well historically, and he's now got teammates who he believes in. And uh, I think it's, it's going to be a really fun season to watch Madison Bumgarner because, remember, he's still just 30 years old, and he's pitching in what he considers to be his prime. I cannot wait for you to do the interview and (laughs) as you know i'm a san jose guy so i get the san jose mercury news i'm supporting you and uh i cannot wait to because if he's going to open up i I think there may be a little dirt that's going to be spewing out of that i think it's going to be a really fun time in spring training to see uh how quickly he's willing to open up and what he is willing to say on the record because you know, he's promised a few of us now to, that, he, that he will say some interesting things about the Giants. It just hasn't been the right time yet. And what does that mean? None of us really know. We know he has great relationships with his teammates. We know that he loves Buster Posey, Brandon Crawford. Uh, his relationship with Bruce Bochy is probably the closest relationship he had with anyone in the game of baseball. I mean, those two were the best of friends. And so 
uh, for him to leave, it says something on an organizational level. And I think we're going to find out a lot uh, and what he views about the direction of the Giants, what he views about the failures of the last few seasons. Uh, because, you know, he, he is honest and he's always willing uh, to speak his mind if the time is right. And so he may not uh, speak in paragraphs. He may not give you a 60-second answer, but the 10 seconds that he does talk, they're going to be filled uh, with interesting things. Oh, yes, that is going to be – I cannot wait. That's going to be great in spring training. Uh, Nolan Arenado, you know, we're hearing that Josh Donaldson is going to sign a four-year deal, and it's either going to be like with Washington or it's going to be with the Twins. So anybody who's in the third base market, third baseman market, and you want a legit guy, you're now going to have to trade for somebody. And it's either going to be Arenado, maybe Chris Bryant. We don't know if Chris Bryant's going to win his arbitration and be a free agent after this year. So a lot of fascinating things. But how shocked were you? They just signed Arenado to this huge contract, and then one year after, they're talking about possibly shipping him. I just don't think the Rockies have any idea of how to build a successful team right now. And granted, it's very, very difficult to build a team that can win 100 and uh, be competitive for a 162 game season at Coors Field because that just wears down your pitching staff. I think Bud Black is a good manager who's had two really difficult situations in San Diego and Colorado. But to talk about trading Nolan Arenado. A year after this deal, Chris, you're essentially saying, we don't know. We don't know if it was the right deal, and you made an eight-year, $260 million commitment? I mean, what kind of confidence does that that say that an organization has in its general manager? I, I don't think it has a whole lot right now. Yeah, it is pretty bizarre when you, you ink up a guy with a full no-trade clause and one year later, you're going to him. Hey, do you think we can move you? It's just, it, it, it's just. A, I mean, seriously, what the Rockies are doing, what the Giants are doing. You look at both these franchises. Their their off seasons have nothing but question marks all over them. Absolutely, absolutely. And I would actually venture to say that the Rockies have a few more question marks because they have players who are seemingly good enough right now to contribute to major league teams in, in Nolan Arenado, who's, who's an all-star. There's no question. He's one of the most talented third baseman in the game. There's Charlie Blackman in the outfield. You've got Trevor story at shortstop, but the complementary pieces are just lacking so much. And so uh, the, the roster building there has not been efficient. It has not been effective. And there's, there just doesn't seem to be a general sense of direction from that organization. Whereas I think the giants have at least realized they need to take a step back. And I think they do need to be a little bit more honest with their fans and call it a rebuild or call it a bridge season, brand it in some way, but the Rockies just seem to be lost. So before we let you go, I saw on Twitter, you got something new going on. I I can't recall what it is, but did you win something or you're ahead of something? (laughs) What, What do you got going on right now? Uh, right now, I'm the chair of the Bay Area Baseball, uh, or the, excuse me, the chair of the Baseball Writers Association of America Bay Area chapter. So uh, it is not the most prestigious ro- uh, role in the world, but I will say uh, being a member of the Bay Area Baseball Writers Association uh, is an honor in itself to me. And so anytime you have the opportunity to represent your peers on a national level and uh, Take, take part in discussions uh, about the future of our organization. I, I think that uh, I'm honored because so many of the, the writers who I work with on a daily basis inspired me to get into this profession. And so now to have the opportunity to represent them, it's uh, something that I'll always find really cool. Yeah, congratulations on that because what it ends up leading to, like with what Susan Slusser was able to do, is to be the president of the overall Baseball Writers Association. So you're on that path, man. That is really cool. Hey, have a great holiday. Have a great Christmas, and we'll talk to you in the new year. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Chris. I really appreciate it. That'll do it for A's Unfiltered. Once again, I hope everybody is having a great holiday season. We will be back on January 6th with A's Cast Live. Thank you to Scott Emerson, Bob Nightingale, Shooty Babbitt, and Kerry Crowley. Continue to listen to A's Cast, powered by TuneIn. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 